DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents What Am I to Do? The Discernment of God's Will in Everyday Decisions with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher was ordained in 1979 as a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He obtained his doctorate from the Gregorian University, and he has dedicated many years to an extensive ministry of retreats, spiritual direction, and teaching about the spiritual life. Father Gallagher is the author of seven books published by the Crossroad Publishing Company on the spiritual teaching of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the life of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. Father Gallagher is featured on the EWTN series, Living the Discerning Life. What am I to do? The discernment of God's will in everyday decisions with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome back, Father Gallagher. Thanks so much, Chris. In our previous episodes, we've been kind of moving towards the discussion we'll really engage in, and that is the discussion on vocations. It's the principal question that St. Ignatius has in mind in his teaching on discerning the will of God, which can apply to many other discernments, but this is clearly the most important one that all of us face in our life, and the one uh, for which many of us seek help, especially if we are young adults and facing discernment. We, we had started this last time by mentioning the two fundamental states in life, one of which is marriage, and the other is priesthood or religious life, in which a person embraces celibacy or chastity for the sake of Christ and the service of his kingdom. As the Catechism of the Catholic Church tells us, and I'll just quote the sentence from that text, the vocation to marriage is written into the very nature of man and woman as they come from the hand of God. So that's not something we ever even have to discern, whether the vocation to make the spousal gift of ourselves to another and then toward motherhood and fatherhood, whether that is a call within us, that is built right into human nature itself, as the church says, as human nature comes from the hand of God. Which means that whatever the state in life to which God calls us, this will always be the deepest call written into our humanity itself. It will be realized in various ways in the different states in life, but the call itself to the, make the spousal gift of ourselves to another in love, and then out of that gift to bring life into the world, the call to motherhood and fatherhood, that is written into every human being and into every state in life. This is what uh, Pope John Paul II was getting at in his Theology of the Body when he spoke of the spousal meaning of the body and the call that is written right into our humanity on every level of its being to make the spousal gift of ourselves in love to another and from this to, to bring life. So marriage, if we'll focus on that vocation just for a moment, at its most basic level is simply and beautifully something written into our humanity, into our nature as men and women in the way that God has created us to be. Now, what Christ does is to take that natural call to a spousal relationship and to fruitfulness in new life and to raise it to a whole other level, the level of grace, a supernatural level. It becomes a sacrament so that when a man and a woman are married through the sacrament of marriage in the Catholic Church, the natural vocation now is enriched with a whole new level of grace. 
And the love between a man and a woman becomes a symbol or a sacrament or represents, when it's lived well for the world, the kind of love that exists between Christ and his bride, which is the church. And there I have in mind the classic text in Ephesians chapter 5, that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her and and all the rest, which St. Paul sees then as the, the basis on the level of faith of the sacrament of marriage, which is to say, said more simply, that when a man and woman are called to marriage and they are married in the sacrament of marriage, it should be possible for others to look at the way that the man loves his wife and the way that the wife loves her husband and say, oh, that's the way Jesus loves his church. The way this man loves this woman, oh, that's the way Jesus loves his church and every member of the church. And the way the woman loves her husband to be able to say, oh, that's the way the church loves Jesus. That's the response in human hearts that brings human persons close to Christ in the church, which is an exalted vocation and uh, a high dignity. It's something in which those called to marriage simply strive humbly, imperfectly, but sincerely, and with the, the power of the sacramental grace and God's gift every day in grace to make real in their vocation to, to marriage as they live it down through the years. All right, so that's the first vocation, the vocation to marriage. And then the church tells us that God calls some to the second state in life, which is priesthood or religious life. When I say religious life, if I use the proper term, I would call it consecrated life because there are other forms of consecration to the Lord beyond simply religious life. Religious life will be either active religious life, think of the teaching sisters, for example, or contemplative religious life in the monasteries. But there are other forms of consecration to God which the church recognizes, what the church calls, for example, societies of apostolic life or secular institutes. But I'm going to use the term religious life because that's a familiar term to us. Uh Right. So there are some then within the church whom God calls to priesthood or religious life, to celibacy or chastity for the sake of Christ and his kingdom. Now, this is a call which comes beyond our nature. The the call to marriage comes right from our human nature as God made it. The call to priesthood or religious life comes from beyond our nature and has a purely supernatural basis. And it is a call in which God calls some to renounce the natural call to marriage for the sake of Christ and the service of his kingdom. It's a grace and a gift that God gives to some, as Jesus tells his disciples, the classic passage in Matthew 19. Now, what this means is that when a person is called by God to become a priest or to become a religious sister, that person is going to experience both calls simultaneously. The call to marriage is simply written into our humanity. That comes from our human nature. At the same time, this person will experience an inclination to renounce the gift and the beauty of marriage for the sake of Christ and for his kingdom, out of a supernatural grace that God is giving to the heart of this person, so that this person now feels both desires at the same time, feels the goodness of marriage and fatherhood and motherhood, feels the um, the calling toward that on the basis of our humanity, and at the same time feels the call to renounce marriage and physical fatherhood and motherhood as a response to another kind of call that he or she is feeling uh, within. And this is the call to renounce that for the sake of Christ. 
Now, I think it's important to repeat at this point that whether a person is called to marriage or to the priesthood or religious life, in both calls, the person is called to the spousal gift of self, out of that to a life of fruitfulness that brings new life into the world. The priest is called to make the spousal gift of himself to the church, which is his bride. As Christ speaks of in in Ephesians 5, Paul speaks of the church as the bride of Christ. That is, to make that gift of himself in love to that part of the church that he is called to serve. And so a pastor for those in his parish, or a priest who is called to teaching for his students. And the consecrated woman is called to make the spousal gift of herself to Christ. If we look, for example, at the life of someone like St. John Vianney, the Curie of Ars, and those decades that he spent in that exhausting and fruitful service of his people in this small country parish in France, which so transformed that parish from um, a local church in which there was almost no religious life left, almost no one went to Mass, the commandments were not respected, and many things were contrary to the way Christ would have wanted, with consequent poverty and alcoholism and the rest which reigned in that small country town, to the way when... Decades later, the Curie of Ars stood before his people one Sunday and said, Ours is no longer ours. Everything had been transformed. There was a vibrant parish life. And with that, as people began living the commandments more faithfully, many of the causes of their poverty were eliminated as they stopped um, giving themselves over to alcohol and the other things that were the causes of the poverty they were experiencing. That was a man who made the spousal gift of himself to his people. He spent himself in love. He gave himself in love to the church, to this part of the church that God had placed in his care. And uh, as you know, his life, the people felt it. They knew the deep, deep love that he had for, for them. And it was that that won them over as the years went by. I suppose we could think also of someone like Blessed Pope John Paul and the, the love that he had for the church, the spending of himself in, in the gift of himself for the church reveals very clearly what the church means when she speaks of the priest being called to make the spousal gift of himself to the church as his bride. In terms of consecrated women as spouses of Christ, the ceremony of final profession itself is rich with that spousal symbolism. That's why the nun wears the white veil, the uh, the ceremony of her final vows, and that's actually the meaning of the veil that a religious woman wears throughout her life. If you think, for example, of someone like St. Therese of the Child Jesus, you can see very clearly in her life a woman who knew that she was the spouse of Christ. That's the word that she uses when, in her story of the soul, she describes the day of her final vows. Someone like Blessed Mother Teresa in our own time, you can see it there again. This is a woman who has given her heart totally to Christ. She is espoused to Christ. And in both cases, the man called to priesthood and the woman called to religious life, the fruitfulness of new life, of fatherhood and motherhood, spiritual fatherhood and spiritual motherhood, is also very real. Let's just use the same saints that we've mentioned, the Curie of ours. The spiritual fruitfulness of his life as a father for his people is evident. We can unhesitatingly speak of this man as a father, as a spiritual father whose life raised up countless numbers of spiritual children for the Lord Jesus. I remember a woman telling me she'd been to the Mass that Pope John Paul II had celebrated in Baltimore 
in his trip there in the stadium with the tens of thousands of people who were there in the stadium. And she wrote me a letter afterward about it and said that um, we all felt that we had a father. That's what every one of us there felt. I remember watching on television when Pope John Paul II went to Denver in 1993 and uh, watching most of the different events of his stay there during World Youth Day and repeatedly being moved to tears as the, the camera would focus on the face of the Holy Father and you would see the deep, deep love in his eyes and his face as he would interact with these young people. Mm -hmm. And I found myself asking myself, what is it that's moving you so deeply in this? And I found that it, it was the same thing that this woman had expressed in her letter. Every one of those young people there, the thousands of them, and I'm sure every one of us watching via the media at a distance, we all felt that we have a father. We had a father. We'll return in just a moment to What Am I to Do? The Discernment of God's Will in Everyday Decisions with Father Timothy Gallagher. This is Chris McGregor. The work of Discerning Hearts could not continue without your prayers and support. Please consider making a tax-deductible gift. Click Donate at either DiscerningHearts.com or inside the Discerning Hearts free app. Your generous support will allow us to continue our podcast for those on the discerning journey. Thank you and God bless from all of us at Discerning Hearts. A prayer for the intercession of Venerable Bruno Lanteri. O Father, fountain of all life and holiness, you gave Father Bruno Lanteri great faith in Christ your Son, a lively hope, and an act of love for the salvation of his brethren. You made him a prophet of your word and a witness to your mercy. He had a tender love for Mary and by his very life he taught fidelity to the church. Father, hear the prayer of your family, and through the intercession of Father Lanteri, grant us the grace for which we now ask. May he be glorified on earth, that we may give you greater praise. We ask this through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to What Am I to Do?, the Discernment of God's Will in Everyday Decisions with Father Timothy Gallagher. When Blessed Mother Teresa of Calcutta died, I remember Pope John Paul II saying that 
the whole world felt like it had lost a mother. Spiritual motherhood. I, I remember, too, as I say this, that when I was in the seminary, in my first years in the seminary, there were a group of sisters who helped out. This was over in uh, Rome, who helped out with the meals and the laundry and the various uh, concerns of the seminary life of that kind. And there was one, a Franciscan sister, Sister Colomba, which is the Italian word for dove, a beautiful name. She was short. She was from Malta. I doubt that she ever had a great deal of education in her life. And um, every one of us there loved this sister. Every one of us in the seminary loved this sister. She had an eye for the various needs of all of the seminarians who were there. Um, if someone was just beginning to get sick with a flu or something, she would notice and she would supply remedies. She had a warm smile. She, we, we all felt in that seminary that we had a mother. Well, we could go on with these with these illustrations, but all of this is to say that when a man or woman is called to the priesthood or to religious life, this is, on the spiritual level, another way of living the same deep call rooted in every human being, and that is to the spousal gift of self to another in love and to fatherhood and motherhood, in this case, spiritual fatherhood and spiritual motherhood. All right, having said that now about the church's understanding of these two states in life, first of all, with regard to discerning the call to marriage, how do I know that God is, in fact, calling me to the sacrament of marriage and to serve him in fatherhood or motherhood in that sense and in, in a family within the church? There will be a number of people, great numbers of people, thank God, and I'm going to presume in what I say now, a person who has a basic solid formation in our Catholic faith and who is living that with a basic fidelity, the regular life of the sacraments and prayer and the commandments of Christ, living the gospel of the Lord. As I've said other times, we all struggle in various ways, but what I'm presuming is that this is a person who is living the Catholic life as Jesus intended it to be lived and has that basic formation and life of the sacraments and, and prayer. Now, there will be a number within the church in that situation who will know about the, the call to priesthood and religious life and will reverence that, will understand the beauty and the goodness of that, but who will never in any real personal sense feel the call to that never feel a personal longing and desire to live that vocation themselves. And on the other hand, will feel without ever any real question about it, that their life is directed toward marriage, that someday they will be married and that is the call that, that God has in mind for them. When that is the case, then the discernment really is not about whether there is a call to marriage or not, but the discernment in this case is about the spouse whom God is calling him or her to marry. There will be a necessary discernment on that level, but the discernment will not be about the call to marriage itself in these circumstances. To give an example of what I mean, I'll just recall briefly the call to marriage of my own parents. My father was raised as a Catholic, and it was always part of his life. His brother 
considered a call to mer- to um, the priesthood, actually spent a year in the seminary, and there was a very clear discernment both on his part and the seminary rector that that was not his call. Eventually he married and raised um, a beautiful Catholic family within the church. My father, I don't think, ever even seriously considered that vocation, always reverenced the priesthood very highly, but never felt a personal call to it, and always assumed that he would one day be married, as in fact uh, he, d- he did. My mother was raised without any Christian faith, and in the course of her college years, through a Catholic roommate and um, some readings and some of the courses she was doing, found herself moving toward the Catholic Church, and eventually through meeting my father, I think that was the final push. He was Catholic, and he was pretty nice, and, and, and the rest She entered the Catholic Church before they were married. They were married in the Catholic Church and lived their life as husband and wife, father and mother, always faithful to the Catholic Church and raising their children very much within the Catholic Church. This would be an example of the kind of call to marriage that I'm describing right now. There just never really was any question at all. The deep call to to marriage that is built right within our humanity and to fatherhood and motherhood um, was the call that they they simply knew without any question that was theirs. If they'd been asked, is that your vocation? Have you discerned that that's your vocation? They probably would have had to think about it a little bit and then would have said, yes, I, I don't think there's really any question that this is the call and the vocation that um, that God gave me. And s- certainly there's no question at all, looking at their lives, that, that this was their true vocation. Uh-huh. I'll take another example from one of the interviews that I did in writing the book, and I'm, I'll call them Stephen and Laura. And it's Laura who describes this. She met Stephen as a freshman in college, and they dated off and on for about two years. Things got more serious when they were in their junior year. But the moment when she knew that she was called to marriage with Stephen was in January of her sophomore year in college when she did a three-week service project. And the particular project was teaching children in kindergarten children in a grade school that was run by some sisters. She lived in the convent with the sisters and then helped in the teaching throughout those three weeks and loved it, found it a deeply joyful time. She was living with the sisters, but as she describes this, it simply became clear to her, even though this was a time in which she was finding such joy, it simply became clear to her that she was not drawn to religious life. There was no long process of discernment, no need to explore that in depth. She simply knew that she wasn't drawn to religious life. And then a day came when she was sitting in the classroom with the children and the joy that had been growing in within her during those three weeks reached a, a very deep level. And she found herself thinking that the only thing that would make that moment more joyful or better would be if Stephen walked through the door at that moment and could share it with her. And it was at that point that she knew that when she was happiest, she wanted to share it with Stephen and knew that she was called to marriage with Stephen. And in fact, their dating became more serious the following year and um, led them a few years later into a marriage and, again, to a very beautiful Catholic family. These would be experiences of one pattern in which many of us will discern our call to marriage, esteem for the call to religious life and priesthood, but no personal inclination toward it, 
and a clear sense of, of a desire for, an inclination for, and a call to, to marriage. Now, when this is the case, as I said earlier, the discernment really is not so much about the call to marriage, but about with whom I'm called to be married, who my husband or wife will be. Is this the person mm-hmm. that, uh, that God intends? When that's the case, then there are several things that a person can do. One is to deepen their Christian formation with regard to marriage so that they come to understand marriage increasingly, explicitly as a vocation, as a response to Christ, a yes to Christ, as a sacrament with all the richness of what that means, as we briefly said earlier, as a sacrament Mm -hmm. which reveals the love between Christ and his church, so that their call to marriage is a yes to the call to holiness, the universal call of which we spoke earlier. It's a call to become a saint. And this a way of saying this is that as their Christian formation with regard to marriage deepens, as they understand it more and more as the church understands it, as a vocation, not simply the next stage in life, but as a vocation, a yes to Christ and a call to holiness, they will move from an American consciousness, which is shaped by the culture with regard to marriage, to a specifically and increasingly Christian consciousness with regard to marriage. I think it's true to say that this is really the, the largest issue with regard to Catholics and marriage uh, in this country today, in, in the church. That is, when a man and a woman come to the church to ask for marriage, what kind of consciousness do they have with regard to marriage? Is it an American consciousness, which is shaped by the culture, with, with all the, the limitations that that consciousness has today? Or is it a specifically Christian consciousness based on the teaching of the church and on the teaching of Christ as we have it in his revelation to the church? So this is the first thing that will bless anyone who feels called to marriage and has no real doubt about that. Take steps to grow in your Catholic understanding of the sacrament of marriage. Read the writings of the Holy Fathers. Read the Catechism of the Catholic Church. There's a wealth of of writing out there today, good Catholic writing on the sacrament of marriage. Take part in seminars or, or, or courses, if they're available, online resources. But do all that you can to grow in a deeper Christian understanding of what marriage really is. There may also be value as necessary in taking steps to grow in human formation. And that is simply growing in our emotional and human maturity. Life can inflict a number of wounds on us. Those wounds are, are there in the culture today. Not universally, but more certainly more than several decades ago in our culture. And we bring into marriage our humanity with all its strengths and all its woundedness. And if some of that woundedness can make it harder to give love and to receive love, harder to communicate on the deep level that strengthens a marriage and and so on, whatever can help us to heal and grow stronger and deepen in the maturity of our humanity simply as men and women is going to strengthen our marriage when we are called when we actually enter into the sacrament of following God's call to marriage. Father Gallagher, you've given us so much to ponder in this particular episode, and I know that there's so much more. Do you have any final thoughts in the conclusion on this particular topic for today? Maybe a place to begin is with gratitude for 
the parents who were called to marriage who gave us life as a way of understanding the beauty and the richness of this sacrament as a call within the church and a specific way of living the call to holiness. It's a wonderful sacrament. It's a wonderful state in life. We'll say a little bit more about it next time and then talk more explicitly about the other call as well. Thank you so much, Father Gallagher. Thank you, Chris. You've been listening to What Am I to Do? The Discernment of God's Will in Everyday Decisions. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to support our efforts. But most of all, we ask that you tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for What Am I to Do? The Discernment of God's Will in Everyday Decisions with Father Timothy Gallagher.